first time with us, hang on to that card. We want to give you a gift on the way out. Also, I have a quick announcement for School of Ministry students. Your books are in. See Kim at the connection table to be able to pick your book up. So um, today we are wrapping up our series that we've simply titled Selfdom. It's, uh, we've just simply called it that, and, and it's not a made-up word, even though your phone may not recognize it. It is a legit word, and uh, selfdom is simply defined as this, that it's the realm of self. It's your, your selfhood. It's, it's you and all of your decisions, all of the places you have authority. You have a authority over what you put in your mouth and the words that come out of your mouth and the things that you watch and the people you hang out with and all of the different things that define your life. That's you. That is your selfdom. And as Christ followers, then what we're supposed to do is in giving our lives and becoming fully devoted to him, that that's to take our selfdom and bring it into his kingdom. It's not that our selfdom dissolves. It's not that all of a sudden its borders cease and that it goes away. No, it's this concept that God designed you to be you. God wants a you. You were not an accident. So this concept of coming in and, and becoming fully a part of Christ isn't about you somehow dissolving and disappearing in the mix. Actually, it's about you being the most you you've ever been. It's about you being the person God genuinely created you to be without all of the, the effects of the hurts and the pains and the disappointments and the different things we do to self and, and the different things others have done to us and allow God's true life to shine in us. And so as we've been walking through this the, the, uh, these last five weeks, we've been simply looking at this concept of what in the world does this look like? What does it look like when our selfdoms become a part of his kingdom? Because we can't completely look at somebody else's life and decide to clone it. Because they're not you. So how does this look? How do you be you, but be fully integrated into the kingdom of God? And we've been looking at those different pieces. And I hope at this point, you're excited. I hope at five weeks into this, you're excited about what this is going to look like. What you being full of peace is going to look like what you being able to to operate in this place of love that you can't do on your own where you see in these things of the the fruit of the spirit being produced in your life i hope that you're excited about that and so many times when we get excited about something all of a sudden it's that that thing like birthday or christmas and you just can't wait how many of you like when you buy a gift you want to go give it to them right then I'm like, I'm the worst. Uh, there's people who are just sneaky, and you need to watch out for these people. These people that can Christmas shop in August, there's something wrong with them. Man, they're able to hide those gifts and sit on it for all those months. I don't get that. Man, as soon as I've got it, I'm like, let's do it now. This is so awesome. I can't wait to give it to this person. And if I dare to think that maybe Cutie's got something for me, then ooh. Like, come on, baby. 
Let's open this up. Let's get this going. We just can't wait. We get a bit of vision. We get some, some, something we're excited about. Man, I tell you what, you want life to drag on? Plan your summer vacation in its completeness right now. Man, get it all ready to rock, and it's like, oh, my goodness. You want to make the year go a little longer? Then get out there a little bit further on your planning, because then all of a sudden the days come on. You have that baby that's just almost here. You've like, you want to stretch two weeks out to like 37 years? It's that week uh, 39 and week 40 of a pregnancy. It's just like takes forever. Why? Because we're excited. We're pumped. We have a vision. We're ready for that moment. And I honestly, I hope that all of you that have been walking across this, this series with us, that right now, just spiritually, you are just pregnant with anticipation for what God is going to do in your life. That you are excited about the next steps with God. That for the first time in your life, instead of being worried and fearful about whether or not I really can do this thing about being who he is and let him be who I am, allowing that to be the fullness of who I'm defined as. Maybe you're excited about that for the first time. Maybe before you were always intimidated about what it looked like for you to be a fully developed believer and Christ follower. And I pray all that has gone aside and you are excited about it. Well, now that comes with a whole different issue. Now we want to accelerate the process. Now we have the big three-year-old travel question. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Man, it was so nice to go through a period of time when my oldest five children got out of that phase and we could go somewhere and they could read the signs on the road, and they could do things. We didn't get that question. Then we had the little ones, and they didn't have really a consciousness, you know, when they're 18 months or two years old of really what's going on. But then you have a three-and-a-half-year-old, a, a four-year-old, and then Colin's aware. And we can hit Grape Creek going to Odessa or Midland, and she's like, are we there? Is this, is this, is this Shishi's house? Is this Nani's house? Uh, no, sweetheart. This is Grape Creek. Um, if you're going to mail something to this place, you still put San Angelo on the envelope. No. Well, we went out of town. We have to be there. Uh, no. No. And you just get so excited and get all of this anticipation that comes up. And I hope, I hope that you are excited about the thing that God has for you. And if you are, if you're pumped about it, you're looking forward to it, then that's what this message is about. Because when we really begin to get a picture, even a glimpse of the great future that God has for you, so many times we can just want to just rush right into it and just wish it was fully developed right here and right now and honestly miss some of the amazing moments. We've been looking at Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 all through this series. We've kicked off with this concept, and we're going to do it again. Paul writes to the Christ followers in Rome. says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and 
sisters are included in that. In view of God's mercy, we've said this every week, that's our window we're looking through. We're aware and conscious. We're viewing this through God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Well, see, this isn't this thing of you're offering your bodies as living sacrifices so that you can finally please God. No, it's in view of God's mercy. He's pleased with us because of what Jesus did. We're made fully righteous when we embrace the incredible gift of what Jesus has done for us. So in view of that, then the right thing for us to do is to offer ourselves, our daily lives, our, our everything to him. And this is what worship really is about. Beyond singing the songs, and the songs are important. Beyond doing the different things that we connect with with worship, our real worship to just give ourselves to him. Our real worship is to just fully give ourselves. And with that, we're told, we're encouraged to not conform to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern. There's a pool that the old way we used to live tries to bring us into. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's been a good a week on that, seeing what that looks like, then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You can't really begin to understand God's ultimate will for your life till you allow your mind to be renewed by the Holy Spirit, till you allow him to come in and shift the way you think. So many times we'll just have the wrong set of thinkings. We'll build it by our own experience. We'll build it by culture will build it by all of these different things and God's word is the truth that has to define the way we think and we operate and then we're going to be able to understand what his will is and then as that begins to happen we get a glimpse of it and then it's Christmas let's get it God I am ready for this I'm so so ready 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says now the Lord is the spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is trying to bring you into? He's not trying to, to shackle you and, and put more restrictions on your life. He's trying to pull things off of you and set you free to be really you. He's a, <clears throat> trying to do this. What the Holy Spirit is bringing us into is real freedom. And when we all, none of us are left out of this who with unveiled faces, which that's a, a reference to the Old Testament. When Moses had an encounter with God, he actually, he actually glowed. It says his face had a, had a glow about it. And it freaked the people of Israel out. It's a little different. It kind of might would freak us out. So Moses, because the glow was getting a little weaker and a little weaker every day as he had not been on the mountaintop with God, he took a veil and put it over his face so that people couldn't see, the, couldn't see this glow that came from him being in the presence of God. And that it allowed it to diminish. And then when it was, its effects were over, then he, he took the veil off. And this is a reference that our lives and our impact and our time with God should be fully seen by everyone. We have unveiled faces. We're not holding back from the world what God is do doing in our lives. We're letting it shine. 
who all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. You're being transformed into the image of Jesus. That is what we are being shifted into. The characters, <coughs> characteristics and the attributes of who Jesus is. And we're doing this with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's the work he's doing in us. You want to get a picture of where God's taking you? You get a picture and understand who Jesus is. Whenever I was first really got serious about my relationship with God, then I was doing all of the, the normal stuff that you should do to, to help augment your growth in Christ. And spending lots of time in the Word and reading and prayer and hanging out with people and fellowship and all of these different things. And I'm reading through the New Testament multiple times in this, this time period. I'm at, uh, at ASU. At this point, I'm in my sophomore year. I got really connected and really connected with God in my freshman year at ASU. And at this point, my, my lovely bride is, is in my life, and we're months from getting married. And I'm here at ASU by myself and studying the, studying the Word and doing all my classwork. And as I'm reading the, the New Testament, I'm seeing that, that Peter and Paul and John and Matthew and all of these guys who had this great, major, impacting kind of life, they had an understanding of who Jesus was. The way I referenced it in my mind was that they had a full revelation of Jesus. And so I was like, I want that. I want a full revelation of Jesus. Hey, we haven't had that in a while. So, thank you. And um, that I want a full revelation of who Jesus is. So, I decided to do something real spiritual. In fact, what? Something that could be very life-giving if you're doing it for the right reasons. In fact, we're winding up our 21-day fast today. And I hope that that has been as big of a blessing to you as it has been to me. And I hope that you've been able to walk that out. And so we're going to have our fellowship tonight and, and break our fast together tonight and, and enjoy that. So I decided that I was simply going to fast until I got a full revelation of Jesus. I just turned 20 years old and... Gonna, I'm going to fast till I get a full revelation of Jesus. So I just said, I'm not eating. I'm just not going to eat till I have a full revelation of Jesus. Well, it was funny that during that time span, I also, um, I needed to get a job. I didn't have a job. I was about to get married, and I needed a job. If you're going to get married, you need a job. So, just throwing that out there. And so, and... Um, so I went and applied at some different places, and I got the opportunity to go to work at a local um, uh, nursery here that did flowers and trees and all that stuff. And I was handed off to a guy who was in charge of the landscaping, and he didn't really want to hire me. And I was told that, okay, he, this guy is going to work for you, and if he can make it a week, he can have a job. So this guy was going to work me into the dirt this week and have me just quit on my own. He did not want me. He did not want me to, to work there. He had another guy he wanted. He did not want me to work there. So at this whole time, I'm not eating. And so this, <clears throat> this amazing thing took place during this time period that I had full energy. 
I was able to go to school full-time. I worked a full-time job at this, at this nursery, and, and this guy just, he just worked me. I was stacking railroad ties and doing all these different stuff, and, and I was able to do it and not have any diminished energy or any of that kind of stuff. God just sustained me through that period. And as I get into this, I'm five days into it. I had no food at all, and I've been working like crazy. And I'm sitting there, and I got my little pocket New Testament in my back pocket from the Gideons. God bless the Gideons. And I'm just sitting there reading my stuff, and I'm, I begin to kind of gripe at God a little bit. It says, God, I'm, I'm five days into this, and I don't feel like I have a full revelation of Jesus yet. And man, it's quickly, just so quietly, the Holy Spirit just sat there and told me and dropped it into me that as that was someplace he was going to take me into. But it was a day by day, moment by moment thing and revealed that basically what I was doing is I was on this selfish little spiritual hunger strike that I was trying to force God's hand into giving me something ahead of time that I simply wanted to accelerate and bring into my life. And so I'm going to do this thing to kind of twist God's arm. And in that moment, man, God just released me from my fast. And so I did a really mature spiritual thing. And I went down to the ASU cafeteria and gorged on chicken fried steak. (laughs) And made myself sick. (laughs) But in that moment, in that moment, I realized that my impatience with my own progress can derail my own progress. Sometimes we are the worst critic of ourselves. And sometimes you can be harder on you than what the Holy Spirit is even being on you. You look at your life and you're hypercritical, and the Holy Spirit's like, you've been the most loving you've ever been. This is amazing. You're letting me shine more than you've ever been. Quit being so hard on you. Have a little bit of patience with yourself. And as you are developing and coming into this concept of yourself fully coming into his kingdom, I ask you, please be patient with yourself. Please be. We've titled this message, Manifested Destiny. And for all you history buffs, you'll remember in the 1800s that the United States began to have a recognition that something was needed to happen, that the United States needed to go from sea to shining sea, and that there was a bunch of undeveloped, un-United States land in between those coasts. And this concept of manifest destiny began to be this shape foreign policy and all of these different things inside the U.S. because they begin to get a vision of the United States being bigger and more developed than it was at the time. And they felt like that this was where things were going to go and eventually the United States would stretch from coast to coast. But what I want us to see, all of us to see, is our own manifested destiny. You have a destiny in Christ. God has a plan for your life. And for that to be fully lived out, you're going to have to give him the whole thing. Not God, speed through this work, and I want to begin to live in the fullness of it right at this moment. Guess what? You've got a lifetime to give him. Give it to him. 
Be patient with yourself and allow it to be developed. See, God is amazingly patient with us as we allow his kingdom to fully define our selfdoms. Romans 2.4 is so powerful. It says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. God's kindness leads you towards repentance. So e- it, it's so easy to get frustrated with our culture and our world and the stuff that we don't think quite lines up and go, God, why haven't you done something yet? Even begin to desire a little bit of judgment on those who are on the outside, who are kind of away, who aren't doing things right, and that is completely contrary to the heart of God in Christ. Completely contrary to it. And when we do that, we are showing contempt for the riches of his kindness, his tolerance, and his patience. God's kindness goes beyond yours. It goes beyond yours. So when your kindness runs out, his is still there. When your tolerance runs out, his is still there. You're going to be ready for him to deal with some stuff, and he's not ready to deal with it. His tolerance is still there. His patience is still there. And at the whole time, all of that is him working to bring people towards repentance. And that repentance is not that throwing themselves down, screaming, I'm a dirtbag, God forgive me. Repentance is this Romans 12, 1 and 2 thing where the way we think is shifted. Repentance means to think differently. Its Greek root simply means to change the way you think. That's simply what it means. We tend to think of it as some big spiritual act of walking an aisle and being repentant and all that. If you don't change the way you think, that was an act. But you can sit there in your seat and allow the Spirit of God to move and begin to shift the way you look at life and look at others, and repentance just really happens. And it's His kindness that leads us there. 2 Peter 3.15 says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. His patience means salvation. And God is being patient with you and I. Just think of your own life. Think of your own life. There, I know in mind that there were people who were ready for me to get my act together before I got my act together. I guarantee that there are people who were ready for you to get your act together before you got it together. Maybe you're saying, Brandon, I haven't even got my act together. I don't even, I don't even care about this stuff. Somebody drugged me here, and I don't even know if this Jesus stuff is legit. And guess what? God has patience with you. You're here. That's awesome. You're here with whoever brought you here. That's amazing. God's patience is at work, bringing and drawing people to him. 1 Timothy 1.16 says, For that very reason I was shown, this is Paul telling his number one disciple, his number one guy, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience 
as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Oh, how amazing. How amazing. And then he writes again into the Romans. It says, now may the God of patience and comfort grant that you be like-minded towards one another according to Jesus Christ. See, knowing what God has said, this is the foundation for us being patient in our process. Understanding that he who's begun a good work in you was faithful to complete it, getting that down to that is foundation for our <clears throat> patience in our process. Romans 15, 4 says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You know what? That I want you to do this. And every time you read something in the scriptures, that you go, you look at it, and all of a sudden this thing rises up in you, and you go, man, I don't quite match that. Instead of letting the enemy come in and beat your brains out, saying, see, you're messed up, you're jacked up, why don't you take that as a promise of what you're going to look like as you allow God to keep working on you? Why don't you take that as a promise of where he's taking you instead of letting the enemy come in and beat your brains out and said, man, you, you really ought to be like this. You're not like that at all. And you're like, whoa, but I'm going to be. This is a promise. This I'm get a picture of who I'm going to be as he works in my life. Quit letting the enemy come in and condemn you. You're, you've placed your faith in Christ. You're already right with him. We allow the Holy Spirit to work and to change us. Change the way. Man, all of a sudden, the, the, reading the scriptures can be so encouraging. Instead of reading all that you're not, read all that you're going to be. It changes everything. Luke 8, 13 through 15 says, but the, this is the parable of the, the, the sower of the seed. We're honestly, we're about to start a new series next week called Truth Stories. And I'm very excited about it. We'll do seven weeks on this. And, and we're going to drill down into this parable real deep next week. But I wanted to bring this piece of it into it. It says, but the ones on the rock, this is the seed that was sown on the rock, are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. So it's okay. They, they take it. They don't reject it. But they don't have any root. Who believe for a while and in time of temptation, they just kick it aside. It says, now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they had heard, go out and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. This is the one that the seed grows. The seed germinates and little plant stuff lives. But it doesn't produce the fruit it's supposed to. Why? Because all of the junk around it is choking its fruitfulness out. You know that all it takes for it to produce the fruit, it doesn't need the word all over again. The word's growing. It doesn't need all of a sudden to sprout all over again. It's already sprouted. All it needs is for the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and all the stuff that's choking out to just be kind of fall away. And allow it to grow and to fully develop. It says, but the ones that fell on good ground are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Some of the most patient people on the planet are farmers. They do tons of work, tons of work to prep ground and put seed in the ground and then wait. 
and wait months. Depending on the crop, maybe they're doing an, have an orchard, they could wait years. Great story of Johnny Appleseed that he went around planting apples and planting apple trees that he would never see the fruit from, ever. But he knew it was going to produce one day. It takes patience. See, patience works with faith as, we, as God's plan for our lives, our destinies are manifested. I had a great college pastor whenever I was in, uh, uh, at uh, ASU, and uh, he spoke this concept of destiny all the time. I mean, every time we all got together, it was that. And I, to, to the point that it began to honestly weigh on me. And as I'm a young minister and I'm the youth pastor and growing in Christ, I begin to feel this, this weight, and I begin to worry about, man, what if, what, if I, what if I don't fulfill my destiny? What if I don't live out the plan that God has for my life? And all right. So we'll try again. Third time's going to work. So I'll see if I can get louder than this. <laughs> Anyways, I really began to freak out about my destiny. And honestly, was kind of worried about something like this. Something like this coming in and derailing. Just a massive train wreck while I'm trying to live my life out for God and something else come in and overshadow it. And something else come in and try to take the focus away. And something else come in and try to take the power out of what my life was supposed to be. And I began to honestly be fearful about it. Began to be very, very worried about it. And I began to pray. I was like, God, what if? What if I don't? What if something else comes in? And I was so worried about five years from now and ten years from now and all of the different stuff and worried about being able to impact my kids. And it was just weighing on me. And it was all good stuff I wanted. Good stuff. It was about living for God and living out my destiny. But it began to choke me. It began to be one of the cares of the world. Cares of my own life that began to choke out the word's effectiveness in me. And I had an amazing conversation with the Holy Spirit. And I had an amazing conversation with God. And in that place, He promised me that my life and the fullness of my destiny would be lived out if I would give him every day. If I would just live for him in those moments and every day. And you know what I didn't see? I didn't look forward and I didn't see this. I didn't see Celebration Church. I didn't know God was going to call me into this. My destiny was bigger than what I ever could have wrapped my mind around. It was absolutely amazing. And guess what? If you'll give your every moment to him, if you'll do it, I'm telling you, the distractions, the mess, the sounds, the crud of life, they'll still come. Jesus promised in this world you will have trouble. Today in this theater we've had trouble. But we take heart. Why? Because he has overcome the world.
He's overcome. I was in the hospital for a year. And I promise you, if you will dare to push the distractions aside and you'll dare to keep moving, you're like, Brandon, I'm waiting for the distractions to quit. They might not quit. They might not stop. But you can't sit on the sidelines and wait for everything to be lined up for you to do what God's called you to do. You just get in there and you do it. And you let him deal with the rest of it. And so in this moment, I want us to drill down and let's look at James 1, 4. It's the last verse in your notes. It says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If you will dare to let patience have its work in your life, God will make sure that he develops you and that you will be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. You just have to have the courage to believe that he really is going to do it. Quit beating yourself up every day that you don't quite match what you think you ought to match. You let the Holy Spirit speak to you, whatever's the front burner issue. You don't tell him what it is. You let him tell you what it is and dare to trust that he's the one that's going to do it. And I'm telling you, if you'll do this, you will see yourself fully come into his kingdom and your life will be beyond anything you could wrap your mind around. Are you saying it's going to be easy? No. There's going to be some difficulties. There's going to be some hard things. And those are going to be the stuff you're going to tell your grandkids about. You're not going to tell them about how many afternoons you sat sipping tea and had a perfect day. You're going to tell them the stories about how, how the enemy came in against you. And like a flood, God raised up a standard against him in your own life. You're going to tell your grandkids about the fact that you dare to believe God and that who they see today is not who you were at once upon a time. That they wouldn't dare to believe that grandpa or grandma was what they once were. Oh, you're sweet little grandma. Well, I wasn't always sweet. <laughs> well, you're a nice old grandpa. Well, I used to not be nice. Ask the people I went to high school with. <laughs> Ask the people I worked with in my 20s and 30s and 40s, maybe 50s. But God began to transform me. And you look up and you're a different person, not because of your own efforts or because you tried harder or any of that junk that you get the credit for. But you're a different person because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what selfdom is about. Dare to let him fully bring you in and we'll see your destiny fully manifested and I for one love the fact that I'm called to be a pastor because that means I get to hang out here long enough to see it happen I'm not coming through as an itinerant speaker and see you once and never again we get to do life together we get to grow together it's an awesome thing and I want to create a moment here where if you've been on the outside looking in and you've not wanted to say yes to Jesus because you thought that you are going to have to dig deep down and find all this energy and courage to just do all the right stuff. And now you recognize that that's not it at all. You simply have to have the courage to trust him. You simply have to believe that he can do something in you you can't do yourself. And sometimes that's the greatest step of faith ever. When we look to the end of ourselves and we believe that God could do something beyond our best efforts could ever do.
That's grace. That's life transformation. And if you're here this morning and you say, Brandon, that is what I want. I didn't want religion. I didn't want all that mess. But I want a God who loves me and will take me where I am. And a God who won't leave me there. I believe Jesus died for me and he's risen for me and his powers that will be at work in me. And I want that. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Awesome, 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 awesome. Believers, I want you to just lift your voice with these. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for meeting me right here and that you took care of it all. That Jesus makes me fully right with you. His death covered my death. And his life gives me life. And I'm excited about the changes you're going to make in my life. I give you me. And I receive all of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I appreciate your patience in the middle of our chaos. I just ask you to stand up. If you need any prayer, um, on your way out, if you see a movie employee, tell them thank you for what they do. Some of this stuff is controlled from corporate, and they're feverishly figuring out how to shut down the mothership to stop that. So they're trying hard. So be nice to them, any movie employees. Give them a thumbs up. We have the Hernandez over here for prayer. We have the Lahones over here. We have uh, T9 will have prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your life at work in us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do. And we go out of here, Lord, confident in you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have a great Sunday. We're meeting tonight at Christian Church of San Angelo for baptisms and some food. We'd love to see you there.